few. We're talking about thin places. That's where the spiritual and the physical touch. They come together in a special way. Sometimes uh, the birth of a child, communion, something like this, baptism. I want to do a thin pl- talk about a thin place which you can actually arrange to occur. And that is, there we go, that, that's this, not my bones. Um, that's making of covenant. There are passages in the Bible that intrigue me. And something happens in a text that I wasn't quite prepared for. A word or an idea or a situation is tossed into something which I thought was going another direction. Scott McKnight has famously called these blue parakeets because he spoke of, he liked to sit out and look at the birds in his backyard, and then one day there was a blue parakeet, and he's thinking, that's not normal. In the Bible, we get those. One of those is in Ecclesiastes 4. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. At first, I can follow this very easily. It's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for any of us to be alone. We need to have a partner with us, a friend that we can count on to support us. Having somebody else in our life, that makes our labor mean something. It means that it's producing something for others, not just ourselves. We can live for that. We can work for that. We can even sacrifice for that. And then verse 12 comes along and throws a curveball a blue parakeet, the number three. We were talking two, 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 then three. Where'd the third person come from? Well, if you keep reading scripture, you'll find out that it's God. God enters into covenants. When you make a promise with somebody, God steps in to witness the promise and to hold you to it. He keeps you in the promise. Cammie and I recently realized that our situations had changed over the years and we needed to update our wills. Well, in the state of Tennessee, you can't just do that in your own house. You, or I think all states have these kind of rules. You have to have witnesses that you actually were the person that signed this thing. The witnesses are there to say, this is the covenant they made. This is the decisions they made. One of the starkest examples of how important and how holy a vow is is of a wrong vow, a vow that should not have been made in Joshua chapter 9. It's almost a funny story, except that it's also tragic. And that is this. The Israelites were going through, taking their new territory. Every town they came to, they defeated the people, the, the armies that were there. And the people from Gibeon had seen this, and they could read a map, and they could see it was coming right at them. They came up with a plan that was actually quite brilliant. 
They put on old dusty clothes, messed up their hair. They put on old worn out sandals. They got on old worn out animals with cracking water bag bottles is what they did, those leather bags, cracking and dry and moldy bread. And they came around the mountain and just kind of, oh, they're the Israelites. Who would have known you were here? And then they said, we, uh, we, we know you are with God, and you're a lo- but, but we also know you're defeating everybody. Now, we live a long way away. Uh, very, they didn't. They were just around. But we live a long way away. Hence, look at all the worn out stuff we've got and the tired animals. We are so far away, you'll never get there. You'll, you'll never get there. But if you do, if you do, which you won't, but if you do, don't, do, don't attack us. Uh, don't, don't kill us. That's all we're asking for. Not that it could happen because we're so far away. But if ever, and, and finally the Israelites said, sure, sure, we promise we won't kill you. Now, that was a weird vow. The vow was taken under deceptive conditions. It was a lie, what they're basing it on. God also told them, don't make covenants with the people that you meet. And they did it anyway. And yet, God held them to it. Saul broke that vow a hundred years later. And David enforced the death penalty on those who broke the vow because that's the law. Let's look at this. It's in 2 Samuel. During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years, so David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, it's on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. The king summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now, the Gibeonites were not a part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. The Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul and his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to annihilate them. David asked the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? The Gibeonites answered him, we have no right to demand silver or gold from Saul or his family, nor do we have the right to put anyone in Israel to death. What do you want me to do for you? David asked. They answered the king, as for the man who destroyed us and plotted against us, against us that we have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel, let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed and their bodies exposed before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. And the king said, I will give them to you. And this is a hundred years later. Is it brutal? Yes. Is it what God intended? No. But they made a vow. And covenants are desperately important. Look at Ecclesiastes again. Do not be quick with your mouth. Oh, there goes social media. (laughs) Okay. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. In other words, remember where you are, people. So let your words be few. In fact, by the way, ministers have to do a lot of words and we have the only job that comes with a a warning label made by God. Let not many of you be teachers. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Wow, that's pretty strong. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? You meet God in a vow, in a promise. 
we were always very careful about this with our kids. You know, they, we had, uh, there was an amusement park outside of, of uh, Pittsburgh called Kennywood, and they loved going there. And I can remember one time we said, we're planning to go to Kennywood uh, on Saturday. And my son said, do you promise? And I went, no, it's, that's my intention. And he says, well, why don't you promise? He was a little guy. And I said, well, because I could die, then not take you, then I broke my vow. And that comforted him uh, tremendously. <laughs> I... I should not have been quick with my mouth at that stage. The point being, don't be quick with saying, this is our covenant. Because once you, when you make a covenant, God shows up and he makes a record. When we're baptized, we're ma- I'm pointing back to our broken baptistry. We are using other churches' baptistries right now. And so learning to meet a lot of other people. But do not put off your baptism. When you are baptized, you're making a sacred vow to God. A, a covenant of faith. God agrees to enter into the water with us. Have you noticed that? When we go in, Romans 6, we go in alone, but when we come out, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us on our journey. And our pledge to God is that we will stay on that journey with Him, that we will remain faithful to Him for life, come what may. In fact, those vows seem very familiar. Because if you've ever done weddings or been in a wedding, the vows we make at weddings are very similar to the vows we make at baptism. God takes us as is, better or worse, richer or poorer, and we take God that way too. Now, if you're thinking, wait, richer or poorer, we take God even if he doesn't do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. We, We take God even if we don't understand what he's doing. We take him as he is. He takes us as we are. And for better or worse, richer or poorer, we are with God. In weddings, we say, until death do us part. With God, we're not even parted by death. And that makes baptism and marriage examples of thin places. And uh, and American weddings are are getting more and more complex and amazing. Uh, and And I'm glad that you've softened up some of the language. In British, for example, British weddings, uh, until very recently, the man would pledge you, he would, to ply you his trough. And nobody knew what that was, but if we had a trough, we would ply it for you. It, 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 it just basically means all that I will ever earn is yours. And there were other, th- I, I can still remember when at one of the weddings uh, where the man did the traditional British line, I, I thee all my worldly goods endow. And his, his dad just kind of muttered under his breath, there goes the bicycle. Because there was nothing. There was nothing to hand over. But when we go to weddings, and we, sometimes you go for the cake or the show or the like. Sometimes you go because they're family or friends. But you may not be aware that you're not alone in that building. Because a promise is being made. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit show up when we make a vow. I'm not going to go into a lot of details here because these broadcasts go out to thousands and thousands of people and they're shared all over literally the world now. So let me just put it to you this way. We have a couple of members here. John and Michelle came separately and made their homes here at 4th Avenue. And they fell in love and they found the right one. And we were all so very happy for them. So we went back to his home state for the, the wedding And it went sideways. I'm not sure why. 
I don't even know all the details. There was a lot of stress, confusion, frustration. The minister didn't really do the wedding. He kind of just did his own thing, and they never even got to exchange vows. They never even got to do all of that wedding stuff. They'd waited so long to find the right one, and then to have this happen. Well, after a while, John asked if he could uh, meet with me, and uh, absolutely, so he came in, and, and his, his noble reason in meeting was, how do I learn to forgive and get past this, because this is my friend, and we're hurt, and the wedding was ruined, and, but as he kept talking, I thought, well, we'll, we'll, we'll work with that, we'll work with that, but my concern is, we can't allow this to stand. This is Fourth Avenue. When you come to this place, you are family. If you're visiting here for the first time, we are talking about you as well. We will throw love all over you, but we're not going to allow you to be hurt like this. One of our members lost a parent this recently, and during a prayer time, I patted him and told him that loved him and asked if he's doing all right, and he said the thing which really amazed him was his phone blowing up with Fourth Avenue people just call after call and text after text. And I said, that's true. And we both agreed, that's Fourth Avenue. This is a place where we believe you are to love God and love each other, and that's our job. So I said, let's do your wedding again. Well, they didn't, you know, were thinking, you know, we have to do it. And I said, no, no, no. This is your family. Let's do it in front of your family. And so we're going to do that. And I'm going to ask for John and Michelle and for your, your, uh, your backups to make your way to the front. You can come up either side you want to. Thank you. Michelle, I'm going to put you right here. And John, you right here. And you can face each other. You don't have to face me. No, you're fine. We have time. <laughs> we have time for you. We'll put you here. And Joe, if you'll stand right there. All right. We good? All right. You, I'm, you guys look cute. <laughs> you do. I'm so glad that we get to do this for you. John and Michelle, you are loved here at Fourth Avenue. We're so glad that God brought you here. And we're so glad that God gave you to each other. And we know you've already, by the law, covenanted with each other. We understand that. We know that you love each other. We know that you're dedicated to each other. Consider this day our gift to you because you are our people. We love you, and therefore, we're going to let you exchange your formal vows here. We're going to give you what you missed. You can hold hands if you want to. I notice he keeps looking down. There you go. That's it. <laughs> When we were, my wife and I were dating, I loved prayer time because that's when I could reach over and legally hold her hand. Um, I don't remember a single prayer, but I remember holding that hand. So this is a good thing. You are both adults. You're not kids. You're entering this marriage with your eyes wide open and hearts ready for the road ahead. We offer to you, this entire church, the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as well as the blessing of Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. All of us in heaven and on earth are here to witness your vows and to bless your covenant. 
Now, I'm going to just assume this is on, right? Okay. You don't have to hold it. I'm just going to get it in here amongst you. All right? So you don't worry about a thing. John, do you take this woman to be your wife, to have and to hold in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, for better or worse, to honor and respect, to love and to cherish, and forsaking all others, keep her only to you until death do you part? I do. We heard that. <laughs> Michelle, do you take this man to be your husband, to have and to hold in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, for better or worse, to honor and respect, to love and to cherish, and forsaking all others, keep him only to you until death do you part. I do. The vows that you just made to each other should sound familiar, for as we stated, these are the ways that God takes us and we take God in baptism. We've used these vows for over 800 years in the English language. This is a long a long heritage that you are expanding and taking on. And so you've wanted to do this for a while. So I will say a phrase. I will, you don't have to memorize a thing. And if you already memorized it, I'm sorry I didn't tell you that. <laughs> so just if you would repeat after me. I, John. I, John. Take you, Michelle. Take you, Michelle. To be my wife. To be my wife. To have and to hold from this day forward. To have and to hold from this day forward. For better or for worse. For better or for worse. For richer or poorer. For richer or poorer. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. To honor and respect. To honor and respect. To love and to cherish. To love and to cherish. Till death do us part. Till death do us part. And I pledge my wholehearted faithfulness to you. And I pledge my wholehearted faithfulness to you. Big breath, you've got this. If you would repeat after me. I, Michelle. I, Michelle. Take you, John. Take you, John. To be my husband. To be my husband. To have and to hold. To have and to hold. From this day forward. From this day forward. For better or for worse. For better or for worse. For richer or poorer. For richer or poorer. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. To honor and respect. To honor and respect. To love and to cherish. To love and to cherish. Till death do us part. Till death do us part. And I pledge my wholehearted faithfulness to you. And I pledge my wholehearted faithfulness to you. Amen, church. Amen. Joe, may I have the rings that they wish to exchange? Thank you. John, would you, would you place the ring on Michelle's finger? Oh, small. That, the small one is hers. <laughs> and as you do so, repeat after me, with all my heart, I thee wed. With all my heart, I thee wed. On the day, it's, it takes a while, right? It, that's all right. We have time. Michelle. Would you please place the ring on John's finger? And as you do so, repeat after me, with all my heart, I thee wed. With all my heart, I thee wed. There it goes. Because we are a family guided by shepherds, we've asked your shepherd, who's Brant Bell, to come up and say a prayer, a prayer of blessing. 
I'm going to step to the side in case you want to put your hands there. Our Father, we are so blessed to be here and witness this today. What a special moment. And uh, this will be remembered forever. Thank you for redeeming this day, Father, for, for uh, bringing this uh, moment to pass. Father, in a room full of witnesses, we also know there's a cloud of witnesses. And we all declare that you are a God who does not break covenants. And we thank you for covenants that you enter into with us and that we enter into with each other. And the covenant of marriage, God, is, um, in our opinion, the most special one that we get to enjoy on this earth. And we thank you for this marriage. We thank you for this covenant, for this relationship. May the Berkabal home be one of praise and worship and glory with every breath that they have. We thank you for this time and this moment, and we pray that Jesus would shower this home with his blessings in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, if the congregation will rise, and if you will read this blessing to John and to Michelle, you guys can look at each other, you can look at them, don't worry about this. We got this. Read this, please, with me. Now you will feel no rain, for each of you will be a shelter for the other. Now you will feel no cold, for each of you will be warmth to the other. Now there will be no loneliness, for each of you will be a companion to the other. Now you are two persons, but there is only one life before you. Go now to your dwelling place to enter the days of your togetherness. May beauty surround you both in a journey ahead and through all the years. May happiness be your companion, and may your days together be good and long upon the earth. And God the Holy Spirit fill you and guide you all the days of your life. Amen. For as much as John and Michelle have agreed and consented together, making covenant with each other, before God and their family here at the Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. It is my honor, although um, I'm taking some liberties, to pronounce you husband and wife. Mr. Berkebile, would you like to kiss Mrs. Berkebile? We're going to let your, your side kicks off the stage, but if you will stay here, if you would, that be all right with you guys? You're good? This is a song that is for you. It's called Love One Another. You can be here or down, whichever is most comfortable, okay? Okay, down, down's good? We'll go that way. The church will sing this blessing to you. At the ending of this song, we will be dismissed to go to our classes. They will be dismissed to go to the rest of their lives.